0: words that are thematic, right? They are themes that are drawn out that we might speak about the holiness of God or we might speak about identity or we might speak about um, mission or evangelism. And, and then you have just verses that you move through the verse. I think Chris, if, if it was last week or week before, he just took us through a parable in the Gospels, which the parables are, are stories that Jesus brought to teach a lesson, you know? And I've, I've had this phrase echoing for the last few weeks, and when I looked it up, it's, it's essentially three or four verses, and feel free to jump to the next slide. You can put these up here, because we're just going to hang out here and see where God takes us. Um, I'm so thankful for the fact that we get to know God. We get to know the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that He makes Himself known to us, and in us, and around us. And the opportunity we have to share and connect like this in a corporate place, but individually, each of us is going to read this book very differently. And it's amazing. We have commentaries, we have word studies, we have original languages and original studies that this book was written in, and yet there's poetry in here, (laughs) and there's There's doctrine, there's truth, there's um, ways to follow your life and to to study in your life. And interestingly enough, the ways of this book are very different than the ways that the world might show us out there. Has anybody realized that? If you get into this book, it's a bit different than some of the other self-help things or some of the other ideas and ideologies that the world might throw at us. And I, for one, have always grown up around God, known God Um, been a Christian. I walked down the aisle to to invite Jesus into my heart when I was five years old. And I never walked away from him. I don't have that story of teenage years that I wanted to taste the world or wanted to enjoy partying or relationships. I just always wanted Jesus. And it's funny, when I was a teenager, I thought that made me something special, that I was good because I wanted God. But it's interesting because I realized it really had little to do with me And it had to do with the Father who kept me. There's this phrase that Jude talks about. It's a book in the Bible. He says that he is able to keep you from all darkness and from all sin and from all um, struggle. And I think part of my story has been a keeping in relationship with him. I've had plenty of doubt. Anybody with me? Yeah? (laughs) Maybe when you start young, you might just think you just believe it all. But actually, there's a bit more fight Because I know the answers in my head and even in my heart, I've tasted and seen the goodness of God, but there's a world that a lot of people don't know Him. So how do I reconcile that? What do I do with that? And it's interesting, these these few verses, let's read them, and we'll jump into this idea that the compassion of Jesus has been burning in my heart for a few reasons. So you're you're coming into Matthew, it's also mentioned in the book of Mark, the gospel. So this is after the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5-7, to which is basically up on a mountain, Jesus is teaching and establishing his ways. Like we said, they're different than the ways that these people would have known from the Pharisees, from their religious background. And he is teaching and living and showing a different way. And you have a couple of healings. You have a couple of encounters in chapter 9. And at the very end, you have these verses. It says, Then Jesus went about... All the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. So the synagogues would have been the Jewish places of worship. So he would have been around the religious people, the the Jews who knew about God. And he was going about teaching normal people, the the daily people. (laughs) Yeah? What's he doing? He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he's not only speaking the gospel, he's actually healing every sickness. Pay attention to these these words, these adjectives, these pronouns. Every sickness, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So it's quite interesting. I want you to get this picture, right? That Jesus is walking around towns, villages, communities. And what was funny as I was prepping this, I was very much reminded of Abergavenny or villages that I might drive through in Wales, because if, if you can't tell, I'm not from around here. Yeah, I haven't lost my very strong accent yet. Um, I'm originally from Tennessee or Texas and Tennessee in the States. Then I lived in London for eight or nine years. And then I've been here in Abergavenny for going on four, married to my lovely husband. And um, Wales is a different pace as a nation than England and Scotland, than the rest of Britain, but also... When I first came I remember praying for the community and talking and I would say the town or I would say the city of Abergavenny and it took about three, four, five meetings of people laughing at me to realize city wasn't the the fitting word for Abergavenny. (laughs) Town is probably more fitting and even if you go smaller in Welsh terminology right you'll get villages and then hamlets was a brand new word for me to understand and I I'm reading this passage knowing that Jesus is walking around Israel, the land of Israel that he was called to, and yet I'm picturing masses of Welsh villages flocking to him. I'm picturing what does it look like that he's walking around through the towns and villages, and people are driving over the mountains. Of course, they're walking in this time period. Track with me. But that connection was so strong that wow, that's that's not far from where we are today. That Jesus would have been making his way around the multitudes. And particularly in a lot of other passages, it says that he was called to the lost sheep of Israel. There's this phrase that's established from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And that phrase, I want you to hold. So we can go to the next slide. Like sheep without a shepherd. And the next slide, I love translations. I think I mentioned to you, you know, the fact of of being able to, to read and understand that some sounds easier to us than others. So I like to see what they all say. So if you see, when you saw the crowds, he felt compassion because they were weary and worn out, like sheep without a shepherd. The amplified version, which we heard last week, I think as well, always gives a bigger picture. It amplifies the the Greek and the Hebrew for us. And it says he saw the crowds and he was moved. With compassion and pity, why? Because they were dispirited and distressed. And then the NLT is the New Living, and you see that same phrase: He had compassion on them when he saw, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Now I highlighted them because I want—I want to get that picture right. The sheep without the shepherd is the definition that Jesus has found. But the adjectives, what are they feeling, these sheep without a shepherd? They're weary. They're worn out. They're distressed. They're dispirited. They're helpless. Two questions for you. Has that ever sounded like you? (laughs) That would be my first question because that was where God talked to me. But also second, does that sound like something you want to define you? (laughs) Yeah. I mean maybe it's a funny question but I don't know do you want to be defined as worn out or weary I'm not saying is that your reality but do you want that to be your reality do you want to be distressed do you want to be dispirited I I tend to say no when I find that around me or on me I'm like what's wrong I got to shake this off I don't want to be weary I want to be full of life I don't want to be worn out or tired I want to be energized What can I do to energize? Do I need to exercise more? Do I need to chat with people? Because I'm an extrovert, so people energize me. What do I need to do to get out of this state that I don't want to be in? Yeah? But it's interesting that these verses actually show us the son of God who was there before the foundation of the world, who decided to step into the world at this time and in this way. He is looking at people, and he is moved with their helpless reality. Now, why, why is this intriguing to me? What has been burning? The main thing that's been burning is, is that how we present Jesus today? When we engage with him, when we hear sermons about him, when we connect to him Do you engage with him as someone who knows that you're worn out? As someone who knows that you're dispirited or lost or don't have the answers? Or do you sometimes engage as someone who should know because you've been a Christian for a lot of years or because you've been taught all the things, should you know better? Do we think often that Jesus doesn't look at us and he is moved with compassion and care, and even pity, wow, look, look at these people who are lost. They are broken. They are distressed. If you go to the next one, I've got some sheep. I've been thinking through this idea as well of whales, and now mind you, these are not definitive, judgmental statements of sheep, okay, so don't, don't jump to anything, and I'm sure there's farmers in this place that know a lot more than me, but I was Googling, Funnily enough, a lot of things come up in the Bible, because this is a theme of sheep and shepherds, but I really was trying to look for the the practical, worldly experiences of sheep, okay? So I found a couple of blogs and a couple of farmer society pages, and interesting how they write with such a love of sheep. So if you want to, go and research it, go and look, but I'll give you a couple of these keys. Farmers tend to say that sheep are not the brightest animals. Now, interesting, they'll say they're intelligent. There's facial recognition. There's relational connection within the flock. But in terms of the brightest, why do I say that? They will go off a cliff if the one in front of them goes off a cliff. That connects to the the third one, sheep have a herd mentality, following one another blindly. They tend to get themselves in dangerous situations Look at the final one. Sheep by design are defenseless. They don't have scientific, instinctual attack mode. If they are scared, they run. And they don't run very fast. And if they have a lot of wool that can get stuck in the thickets or the branches. Again, this may sound basic, but as I was just thinking, what does it mean to be sheep without a shepherd? That's what I ended up researching, that the shepherd, some of these articles were like, we may not want to be shepherds because it's boring, but it is necessary to have shepherds over sheep or the sheep will die. The sheep will um, hurt themselves, harm themselves. The sheep will end up costing you more than building profit because shepherds are necessary. And it's it's a really interesting thought because again, what I said about the book at the beginning, And the one who authored the book for us has so much to say about the life that we live. And I love the fact that it's not just a a random comparison sheep without a shepherd. It would have been a relevant statement to their lives. Are, Are you with me? A relevant statement to their reality. It would have connected to them, they would have known what he meant. Now, at this, there's not teaching in this context. We're going to land in just a few minutes on the teaching about the shepherd. <clears throat> but the, the insight, if you go to the next slide, the insight of this passage is actually what was Jesus thinking as the Son of God while he was walking on the planet? Now, again, I don't know if that's something you think about. It's one of my favorites to ask Father, Son, and Spirit, was Jesus an extrovert or an introvert? Did Jesus like hanging out with people? Or was he following the call of God and doing what needed to be done, just like sometimes I need to? And he wouldn't have just been energized by crowds following him around. Was he a very thought-driven person? Was he more emotionally driven? Because he was a person, just like The hundreds of people that we have come in and out of Gateway, the thousands that live in Abergavenny, now yes, he was the son of God, that is a different dimension, but I I love personality, I love identity, so I ask these questions, who was this Jesus? And these verses tell me as he's walking around, he's not consumed with a job, he's not consumed with a calling or a mission, he is touched by something deeply. Deeply. So this is a picture of Jesus in the midst of the disciples and the 5,000, 4,000 they're feeding. It's a depiction of where this verse actually shows up in Mark 6. So he's looking at thousands, and he feels for them like they are sheep without a shepherd. Then the disciples say, these guys have been watching us, listening to your teaching. Can you send them away to go get food? <laughs> yeah? That's the other passage in Mark 6. And Jesus actually says, no, I'm moved by them, I've taught them, now I'm going to practically feed them, because I can. And because that's what happens when your heart is moved, your actions follow. Are you with me? They're, they're the most simple things, and I go, God, is, this is so simple, and yet I really wanted to deposit something afresh that he moved in action. Because he was moved in heart by the reality that not they should know better. They've known God forever. They've had the revelation of the law and the prophets. No, but actually they're still in need of a shepherd to show them how to walk it out. To protect them when they're going astray. To to meet them in the midst of their frailty and in the midst of their distress and their weariness. I imagine if you look around in the fields, it's probably a bit weary for some of our sheep that are getting full in this heat. And I know it's a loaded, I'm not going to go down this road, but what if what if a dog is not on a lead? I have to watch this with my puppy dog, <laughs> yeah? And he won't hurt a fly, but if he gets a couple of steps too close to a sheep in a field, what do they do? Their, their heart rate skyrockets, They freak out because they think they're in danger. And then the whole herd is going. So they may not actually be in danger, but they've assumed danger. And now they're causing themselves distress. Does that sound like any of us sometimes in our journeys and our questions and our fears? So there are realities. I think it's interesting how things piece together, yeah? If you go to that next photo, you'll see another one. Just I wanted to bring Jesus to life in a fresh way today. They're refreshing, you know, and John was sharing that word of we have maybe gotten some news and we are distressed. We are worn out. We are weary. And, and I often ask that question, if I, as a person who have known God my whole life, still get weary and distressed and worn out, how much more people who have no other understanding of God, of a father that reaches out to them or knows them, you know, how... how How much more does God want to be known by those and to help those? Because as a sheep, as being sheep, you would know the shepherd will take care of you. They're going to come feed you. They're going to catch you if you fall. They're going to herd you to a specific area that's going to be safe. The shepherd won't take you to an area that is infested with wolves. Practically, there's a comfort for sheep with a shepherd. But remember, Jesus is looking at the people of Israel, people who know something about God, and he is still impacted by the fact that they are sheep without a shepherd. That, that's what struck me. That's what I hope you're able to go and think, like, do I know my shepherd? And if we go to these next verses, it's a well-known passage. We quote the, the next slide, John 10 is a passage about the teaching on the shepherd. So if you don't know this passage, please go and look it up. It's amazing. I've taken out the very end, really, that I want to highlight as we're coming to a close. Because it's more the the reality of who Jesus says he is to us as his people. And we quote that verse a lot, John 10.10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes and says, I have come that you would have life in abundance. That verse is in the context of the shepherd saying, you are sheep and I am your shepherd. So these verses pick up at verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And I can't help reading this passage and knowing that I'm one of those that was not in the fold when he was speaking in John 10. But now he called to me, and I am part of the fold. I am gathered with the ones who went before. And each of us who have said yes to know that shepherd, he's talking about us. I love when... When Jesus in that prophetic way actually references, they're not in the fold yet, but they're coming. They will be a part. And so the next verses on the next slide, yeah, he says, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. And I just want us to really be able to center in today on the compassion and the heart of our shepherd, the one who chooses to lay down his life. And it's interesting if you reflect back to that passage in Matthew 9, remember he was moved from pity, compassion, he was moved by what he saw in the multitudes. Because he saw the reality that they were sheep without a shepherd. But he wasn't just moved to pray or moved to reflect and say, Oh, God, we failed. Father, what do we do for them? How do we operate? He didn't go into an internal processing with that compassion or with that feeling. He actually spoke to the disciples, the ones that he was calling and going to equip and build. And he said to them, Hey, guys. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I see. Now what we should do is pray that there will be laborers because the harvest is plentiful. And the next verse, which is amazing, and in terms of holiday club, in terms of what we're living when we've been talking about witnessing and evangelism being our goal and our focus right now, it's not just to be about a mission, it's because we are moved with compassion as our shepherd was. We follow his example to pray for laborers. And then the very first verse in Matthew 10 says, and he sent out the disciples to heal and to speak and to teach. And there's the beginning of chapter 10 is the mission concept with the disciples. And I just love that, that it's, it's a package deal in the kingdom. And we gotta be honest, some of us, are much more moved internally. Some of us are much more about that intercession. Let me be in the fire room and let me pray it through. Some of us are much more about the action and the intention and let's do stuff. And it's beautiful because we make a body. But what I see is that Jesus carried all three, and I want to look like Jesus. So my strength may be one, but my intention should be in all three. Are you with me? Being moved by compassion like the king, the shepherd who moves. Being able to pray, and then being able to be moved into action. And I love it that he showed us that's what it looks like. So I don't... Yeah, that's so good. I love it. Five verses. You know, you're just like, Jesus, I just love you. You're so amazing. So I know um, worship team can come up at whatever point, but I wanted to read, maybe if piano, I see Helen coming... Um, this whole week I've been moved by this old hymn and I just thought, do I bring a video of it? You know, you trying to go, God, how do you want to show this? And I'm just going to read it out to you because hymns are poetry, right? So just as we have a bit of piano, it's called softly and tenderly. And it's funny to me, I sent it to Stu. I may get emotional, not because I'm pregnant, but because I'm moved by Jesus, (laughs) I sent it to Stu, and it's funny because he sent me back something of like, (laughs) I don't have the words for you, so you can just receive it, close your eyes if you want to just hear it, but I sent it to Stu, and he ended up sending me back a message, and he was like, yes, when we go home to glory, and he was like, we have a long way to wait till we're home to glory, and it was so funny because I thought, that's not at all what I was meaning. That's not at all what the song spoke to me. Do you have that sometimes? So softly and tenderly, I feel like, is a call of the shepherd who sees the sheep that are lost and distressed and weary and worn out, and he is moved. And the declaration is, come home. (laughs) So whether you are a prodigal who ran away from home, whether you are one who's out so busy working that you're not coming home to be in that place of safety, in that place of covering. So as I read out this prayer, this promise from Jesus, just let it wash over you. So if you want to close your eyes, if you want to reflect, just let it hit you this morning. It says, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching watching for you and for me come home come home you who are weary come home earnestly tenderly Jesus is calling calling all sinners come home why should we tarry Why should we wait when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me? Why should we linger and heed not his mercies, mercies for you and for me? Time is now fleeting. The moments are passing, passing from you and from me. Shadows are gathering deathbeds are coming, coming for you and for me. Oh, for the wonderful love he has promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. Come home, Come home, you who are weary. Come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Thank you for that call, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you know each and every heart in this place. And everyone who will tune in and watch this at another stage, you know us. You see us. You are the good shepherd. And whether we've known your voice for 15 years and we need to be refreshed or whether we are discovering your voice and seeking and trying to figure out if you're real speak to us lord speak to us jesus let our hearts be open and willing to hear hear that song come home come home beloved there's a place for you there's a plan for you. There are rooms waiting to be decorated and designed with you in mind. And as you find yourself at home and in peace, then you know my voice and you know my heart. And we can enjoy going out together. Together. can enjoy the activity and the ministry and the action, and we can enjoy the prayers and the intercession, and we can enjoy reading the word and chewing and learning together because we are in it together. So come home, come deeper into that compassion with me that I know you and I love you. That adventures
1: with you, beloved. Amen. Let's rise as we bring our service to an end. Know the shepherd. Know the shepherd. Perhaps this morning the Lord is nudging us afresh says, they that know their God shall be strong. They that know their God. It's in the knowing of who he is, what he has to offer us. They that know their God shall be strong, and then they shall do great exploits. Father, thank you that we can know you in such a way. It transforms our lives forever we don't need to be tossed by the winds up, down but we are rock solid when we know you and I pray that we would continue on this journey of knowing you more knowing you more so bless us Father as we continue our journey this week, today and the days ahead we pray for the kids coming in next four days that they would know you not know about you They would know you, the caring shepherd, the compassionate, the loving father. Not the religion that perhaps they have known or heard about, but a genuine love, a relational God and Father who dines with us, holds our hands, and walks with us through the journey, the ups, the downs, the battles. Never. He says, I never leave you nor forsake you. And he's reminding us this morning. So, as we heard, if you're going through anything today, while we may run all around, he's saying this morning, Come to me. I am the good shepherd. I love you. I have the answers to your problems. I can turn your life around forever. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we thank you again for the loving, tender shepherd who invites us to this journey, not to stay where we are, but to transform us so that we not only then just need him, but we can then take him to a world that needs him. And so, Lord, continue to build us, equip us, use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give him some praise this morning as we sing our final song of praise. Amen. Amen. Just before we do that, just really felt impressed.